0: Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on PandaMega.com. I'm JP, the Impaler. <laughs> As always, with me is my fearless co-host, Joe. Blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, of course, our other co-host is Marcus Clausen, the Impaler. I have nothing to contribute to this, guys.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> blah. blah. <laughs> That's what you get.
0: <laughs> back with us again is Nero. Hello, Blah. (laughs) And Pinku. What
2: the fuck am I?
0: (laughs) You're an impaler. We're all the impaler.
2: Where the fuck is this place? (laughs)
0: What is happening? What is happening? So the joke is an inside joke if you've read Narwhal Knight. And if you haven't, what the hell, man? So the Narwhal Knight is what we're talking about today. It is an excellent comic by Brad Langer. Brad is a really cool guy. He hit me up on the site a while ago and wanted to become a contributor. We are currently posting back pages of his comic. We're releasing them at double speed, so twice a week, and eventually we'll catch up to him, and then we'll be right along with his his own releases on his site and just trying to get him some more exposure and, and just enjoying his company on the site. He's a really, really good guy. I believe in the near future he's going to be putting up a Kickstarter campaign of his own, so as soon as that gets up there we will, of course, make sure to provide everybody links and promote the living crap out of it shamelessly because the comic is genuinely and honestly one of my favorite web comics and Brad is just a really damn good guy. So if you'd like to follow along, again, we're talking about the Narwhal Knight, which you can find at narwhalnight.com, or you can find it on Pandamanga at narwhalknight.pandamanga.com. So a little info about Brad. Brad grew up in the small town of Clarenville, Newfoundland, Canada. An avid skateboard and snowboard enthusiast. When he was 18, he moved away to attend college where he gained a diploma in the visual arts and then a second diploma in digital animation. He currently lives in the capital of Newfoundland, St. John's, with his longtime girlfriend Jacqueline and their cat Knives, of course, a Scott Pilgrim reference. (laughs) Uh, Brad has been a part of many ventures in the art and design community, including album covers for bands worldwide, poster and promotional materials for different wrestling federations across North America. But his main passion is drawing and creating comic books. The Narwhal Knight is his first published comic book. Not bad for your first one, man. It's it's a good comic. So, The Narwhal Knight. The lives of well-meaning Jason Jones and his friends Becky and Davey are turned upside down when Jason is awakened one night by Toby the Impaler. A vampire who, despite being only ankle high, that's right, about six inches tall, can still pack a pretty mean punch. Soon, the trio are attacked by other height-challenged vampires driving a giant-ish mechanical spider, bat mechs, and other strange otherworldly beings. The reason? Jason has unknowingly been chosen to become a member of the Human and Environmental Security Department of the MHU, Monster Human Union. Which is just a fancy way of saying monster slayer. But unfortunately for him and his friends, the monsters found out before he did. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said... Brad approached me a while ago wanting to become a contributor on the site, and I immediately went and read his comic and was just in stitches. At the time, there was only a couple pages out, and it was already shaping up to be really unique and interesting. And you know, Now, I think into issue two, it is just so good. It's just – I mean it's really genuinely a favorite of mine. So why don't we start talking about the story a little bit. So what do you guys think of the story, the humor, the writing? Joe, Mr. But, writer? So far, the humor is Great. like actual laugh out loud moments on a very regular basis
3: no and honestly i got just as much laughs out of the little easter eggs hiding all over the place right and that i did out of the the main through jokes i found myself recognizing a lot of very subtle
0: and slick scott pilgrim references like right in the first couple pages he's You know, living in a basement apartment, Mm -hmm. and then you see him uh, trying to step on Toby the Impaler, and his boxers have the like the X Men's X symbol, which is Mm -hmm. on Scott Pilgrim's jacket, and they used to reference the evil Mm X's. At some point later on, he talks about his ex girlfriend, his his triple X Uh bad girl ex girlfriend, (laughs) like trying to attack the girl that he's interested in, and it's not like he's ripping off the story at all. It's just these sort of like subtle nods Mm -hmm. to something that obviously is important to him. He he mentions in his in his bio that uh, one
1: of the his artistic influences Brian Lee O'Malley. Yeah. Which makes some sense. <laughs> you guys are far cleverer than I am. I didn't see any of those things. Oh no. But now I'm gonna go back and look. Yeah, yeah. no they're all well, there's also um those actually, are really subtle
2: There's something that O'Malley does where he overlaps word dialogue balloons over dialogue balloons mm-hmm. and there's one page where it's nothing but that. All oh, these yeah. dialogue balloons yeah, all over the right. place. One that
3: of is my so favorite e- Easter eggs was in there. Uh hidden like Way in the back is one in a million shot, Jerry. One in a million. (laughs) If anyone remembers that Seinfeld episode where George's dad gets like a pasta statue of Jerry Seinfeld stuck up his ass.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's one of the beautiful things I love about this is that it's so... Rich with little
3: Easter eggs. Yeah. You know, like I, the love interest is wearing the Captain Planet shirt. Yep. At one point they're playing Settlers of Catan. Right. Yeah. Right. Just little Tons things.
2: Of second read information. Mm-hmm. Which so good. should imply that you should give it a second read.
3: At least. Honestly,
0: first of all, I mean obviously I like vampire fiction and but not sparkly vampires. Mm-hmm. But I do I do genuinely enjoy vampire fiction and so when he's like vampires I was like all right I'm in <laughs> tiny vampires that's awesome <laughs> like what a great idea cuz you know the the way that he introduces the vampire in I want to say page two or something. Mm-hmm. It's at nighttime. It's all dark, and then you get this evil-looking vampire with the cape, kind of like traditional Bela Lugosi-looking vampire, mm-hmm. being like, "Jason Jones, you will meet terrible fate." I mean, being the all evil, red
3: text box, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, and then he looks really scary, and then he flips on the light, and he's like looking down, and the guy's standing next to his shoe, and he's just tiny. Like, he's like, "Even still,
3: you're in trouble." So you're a long-winded little fellow, aren't you? Right, and he
0: leans down, but then he like. Stabs him in the nose with a freaking push pin. Yeah. Like the impaler is impaling his nose. Like he's a <laughs> bastard.
1: I have expected him to turn around and be like, "Well, thanks for piercing me." I was meaning to get that done next week, anyway.
0: I love how after their first little scuffle, Liam Toby zips behind some of his appliances in that kitchen. Mm-hmm. So for the rest of the comic, he's constantly making like these snarky ass comments from behind stuff.
3: Yeah.
0: he's like hanging out behind his oven. And he's like, "Man," it's just like yeah.
3: interjecting his thoughts and just being a shithead. Yeah. When he falls asleep, sneaks out and draws like half a mustache. On
0: oh him. yeah, he's like, "You will wake up with a silly mustache." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just love it. The humor is just so spot on over mm-hmm. and over again. And do you notice how, and this is where the joke came from, how all of the vampires are called such and such the, the Impaler. There's yeah. like, like what is it? What are the other Impalers called? Do you remember? Like Dave the Impaler. Or... Right. <laughs> and that's, that's great too, because it's not like Vlad the Impaler or mm-hmm. Gustav or something. It's like Toby... Dave. <laughs> like, I feel pretty soon we're going to meet Bob the Impaler. It's like, oh, yeah. What? Like, I just, I love the sort of just weird, because you're not expecting that. You know, these no. guys look like these classic European Bella Lugosi type vampires. Well, only and one they're... had the cape and Bella Lugosi. Oh, well, I guess thing. that's true. The first the, guy. Then like, Toby. the next
3: one had a very Nosferatu look. Sure, sure, sure. I like that it was varied. Yeah, that's true. I'm glad they're not all sexy teenage vampires, not all Bella Lugosis.
0: <laughs> Coming back to. His sort of subtle nods and Easter eggs with uh, with the Scott Pilgrim series and stuff. I, I think that one of the things that it immediately reminded me of, because when I first went to read it, I just went in and started reading it. I didn't read his bio or anything. Mm-hmm. And it immediately reminded me of Scott Pilgrim. Not oh, yeah. in that it was a parrot of it, but that it had a similar tone. The characters are very cavalier. The characters are, like, really comfortable with all kind of the wacky silliness that just doesn't make any sense in reality, you know, as in Scott Pilgrim with, like, all this crazy shit's happening. People are like, yep, that's how that works. Mm-hmm. And similarly, the same kind of thing's happening here where there's all this crazy shit and people, you know, they – a bunch of tiny vampires come through the window with, like,
1: this crazy – Mechanical spider. S- mechanical
0: spider with knives as feet, and they're like, "All right, now we're fighting it." And it's like, "Oh, they yeah. didn't miss a beat." I just love that the comfortability with the wackiness that the characters have and that kind of cavalier attitude. It allows for us to get for us to get kind of comfortable with it, you mm-hmm. know. Because if it feels out of place and the characters are like, "Well, whatever," and they're just going to go with it, like it works really well, and it's it's just fun because the characters are chill about it, so we're chill about it, and they can make jokes about what would otherwise be like terrifying, it, mm-hmm. you know, if it actually happened to you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I have to say though, probably my favorite character so far is Becky. Oh,
3: Becky! Smash Becky because, <laughs> because she rages out.
0: Right? Yeah. No, because she freaking goes Hulk. No, but even before that, she's just sort of hot and cold. I don't mean mm-hmm. like the sundure hot and cold, but like chilled out and then like gets she gets really emotive all of a sudden. You know, she gets really emotive and just kind of impulsive.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like right away when Jason's like, "Hey, can you guys stay the night? Because this Toby guy's been tormenting me, and they don't really believe him, and and he like seducts her into staying by saying." well, I found a Double copy dash. of Mario Kart Double Dash, and she's like, okay, I'll stay. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like you instantly, instantly are endeared to the characters yeah. because they're playing something that a lot of us gamer geeks love from back in the day, and there's a very clear appreciation for that. And It's just the characters are really relatable
1: right away. Yeah, there That's is... sad to me that Double Dash is now back in the day. I know, right?
2: <laughs> well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, there or... is something really endearing about Becky, actually. The fact that she talks with her fists, I... That's just com- <laughs> what? It's, it's Becky
0: talks with her fists.
2: I, I think that's just comforting in a way to me. Oh right, that, that's
0: or when, when, when their thing. friend is talking about how her little sister is hot, and she gets right up in his face, and she's like, "I have a knife. <laughs> <laughs> you should know that." <laughs> that's pretty great.
1: I like Toby, just because any any villain who thinks that they're far more powerful than they actually are is always endearing. Yeah, the, to the me. impotent bad guys yeah, are really. just hilarious, <laughs> and he's oblivious. He's like trying to stab him with a
0: little push pin. He's like, I'm his evil plan for the evening is while they're all sleeping and defenseless, he's going to draw a mustache, <laughs> the mustache on them. On <laughs> Did you guys? It's I, true I, evil. It really it is. is. It's true evil. Yeah. He has no clue that he's not scary. He's just.
2: That's so wrong.
0: It is, right? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. I love how they like toothpick stake one of the vampires to death. Uh-huh. That was mm-hmm. great. There's a good pause there. I hate you. <laughs> oh right yeah he stabs him with that he's like i wonder if this will work and he gets like a toothpick because i mean what else are you gonna use you don't break a table leg off and stab him. you just squish him mm-hmm. right and so he just inserts it there and there's that moment where he just looks at him and he goes i hate you <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> just gone it's so awesome i think finally story-wise i just wanted to spotlight the hilarity of the little narwhal night shorts that he does <laughs> he did those two shorts right in between oh, yeah. the chapter one and chapter two the one that had had me cracking up cuz his cat is first of all his cat is so great like i love yeah, the I... way the cat's drawn the cat is perpetually just doesn't give a shit mm-hmm. you know but that the cat and it's further illustrated by this this little short where the cat like ends up drinking coffee and and he's like oh god the cat's going to freak out and the cat's just sitting there
1: and then it goes just poots <laughs> yes. and just keeps sleeping. <laughs> I, I should mention that I love the cat. My cats at home are assholes. So this one is my new hero. Right? <laughs> Such a good cat. Fat laser cat. That's
2: what I love about cats. They just don't give a fuck.
1: On the
3: other one about the new fees on the news. Yeah. What, so, so, Brad, you're going to have to
0: maybe zap us and explain what, what that's about. Because, I mean, we... We could kind of take a, a wild stab at what that is, and it makes some sense, but mm-hmm. you got to explain what, what, what's really going on there, because yeah. there's got to be some kind of Newfoundland stereotype of some kind.
3: Yeah, it seems to me like they're the
0: Jersey of Canada. Like, We apologize I'm, if that's not true.
3: Yeah. <laughs> seems like they, they look perfectly normal everywhere else until they get on TV, and then they're- Just foot in mouth. Yeah, just totally <laughs> random batshit crazy.
0: So you you got to fill us in, man. Fill us in on the comments. Like, let us know what WTF. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Any other final thoughts about the story and the humor and, and the writing and everything?
1: No, I mean, it was successful. It was really I mean, it, it,
0: it, yeah. it
3: works. It has a good concept of timing for
1: the oh, comedy.
0: Such good comedic timing. Absolutely. Yeah, really good. Like Good physical humor and mm-hmm. yeah, just really good stuff. We're going to go ahead and take a quick musical break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the art of the narwhal night. Listening to Geek Life, stick with us. Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast. And before we get into the art of the Narwhal Knight, Joe had a recommendation on Audible for you guys. The Geek Life podcast is sponsored by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife to get your free audiobook download and try one month of their service. Along with the free download for each month, the download credit you get, you also get 30% off of their giant badass catalog full of all kinds of cool stuff. And so what's your
3: recommendation, Joe? Well, to prove how immense their catalog is, last week we talked about The Passage. Right, The Passage with Justin Cronin. Mm-hmm. And we're always talking about crazy science fiction or really high fiction stuff. Sure, sure. Today, I've got for you The Tempest by William Shakespeare. Wow. Performed amazingly by Sir Ian McKellen. Oh, wow. That sounds awesome. In a full cast audio performance. Really? Along with... Amelia Fox, Scott Handy, and Ben
1: Awauke. Man, <laughs> Ben Awake, I'm a big fan of his.
0: There's <laughs> always
3: some name on the Audible. There has to be one that's guy. One, one guy's like uh, a you know, One
2: keyboard one, mash.
3: Yeah, you know, one <laughs> one German guy, one Just Japanese guy. <laughs> yeah. So, so 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 famous Shakespeare, famous Shakespeare, and the production value alone is worth the credit on this it has full sound effects full the you know the full cast audio the, i think they even did this in front of an audience because oh, there is, is actually like audience yes there's a clap that's track amazing. to it and that's then,
0: really cool so you're saying it's kind of like what they did i mean obviously not the live part but it's sort of what they did where there's a different voice for each character like they did a, with, oh, with the days or not with world war z we talked mm-hmm. about a
3: while ago Well, this is Ian McKellen right after Lord of the Rings. (laughs) He plays Prospero, and who is the main... The Tempest is a weird one. Prospero is both the protagonist and antagonist. Oh, interesting. He's the main character who has devised this terrible plot to capture the man who banished him from his homeland, and he's managed to learn this evil magic to conjure up a tempest and throw his enemy's ship off course and land him on this deserted island that he's been banished to. Captures his enemy's son, tortures him, then finds his enemy, tells him, oh, your son has been killed in this hotful storm, please come and grieve at my house. And you think he's lining up this huge, elaborate revenge plot. And in the end, He reveals to his enemy that his son's still alive and that his own daughter is in love with him. And if you will let them marry and let me come back to civilization, I will dismiss all the charges I had against your son and we can be friends again. Awesome. And this is amazing redemption story that is kind of covered by this evil plot you're expecting. And it's a lot of fun and... Man, Ian McKellen nails it. Uh, he's he's such an incredible actor. H- how many hours was this one? It's two hours. Just short. Just yeah, short it's, it's
0: the length of the play. Sure, sure, sure. That makes sense.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely
0: worth your credit. Awesome, awesome. So your recommendation one more time is the Tempest by William Shakespeare, voiced by Ian McKellen and and more. the full cast audio. That's awesome. So yeah, that's a good place. It's a good idea, Joe. It's a good place to start. If you'd like to check that out for free. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife and go ahead and download. It's a good place to start. It sounds like a really cool book, Joe. Mm, very awesome. exciting. Very cool. All right. So let's get back to The Narwhal Knight. We're talking about the art of The Narwhal Knight by Brad Langer. So let's start with Pink this time. So, Pink, what did you think about the art from, from The Narwhal Knight?
2: I think it's really legible in the fact that it just has a lot of straight black – use of black and white. Mm-hmm. and. hmm any kind of toning, which is just, a, you know, usually just a shade of gray or a simple gradient. You know, I think it's an asset that he's it's only. Tasteful. Yeah, he's only using it where it's necessary. Definitely. Um, there are some pages where I think it has a nice experimental use of panels. For example,
3: oh, yeah, I think right? it's one of
2: the first pages where the where we see the vampire show up for the first time. There's a lot of dialogue on there. Towards the bottom, though, there's like just this little tiny panel in the very bottom right of the page where he's just like, blah, 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 blah. And it's mm, and, and the it's text the, is
3: running off the page. The text just runs off yeah. the page, yeah. right?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, I wondered if that was delivered. I wonder if that was like just a problem with the no, website. No, it totally but is delivered. Clearly, yeah. it's delivered. Yeah. yeah. So it was just kind of funny, though, just this little tiny panel with this little head poking out. And it's and it's really cool just because it's sort of indicative of the fact that this vampire itself is physically tiny and it's sort of <laughs> echoed in this minuscule ass panel where normally you're like, why would you have a panel? It's just that's just like one eighth of the height of your page. Right. And
0: it's, 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 it's such an impotent little guy who has, like we said before, no clue how kind of not really dangerous he is yeah he's down there just this just this crazy big speech about how badass he is and how he's gonna make jason jones suffer you know and it just just keeps going to the point where it's like you don't really need to hear all that he's just babbling at this point
2: yeah exactly and so it was just (laughs) it's so funny because it's just that little bit of subtext it's like yeah this this dude is not no don't don't worry about it guys (laughs) so it's (laughs) that's that's really hilarious and i like how it's expressed you know in in just something as as conscious as panel oh yeah and the layout definitely... is really
0: unique here. It feels open. It doesn't feel compressed, but he's managed to get a lot going on there. And
2: yeah, and it's really interesting too because he has a lot of floating panels, and they're not necessarily in a grid formation mm-hmm. or anything like that. But you still, there's never been, there was never really a point where I was going through them going, what the hell is the next panel? So good job on that one, actually.
0: Yeah, it's definitely very readable. It's and... not ever unclear what comes where as far as you know progression of the information the text on the page and what comes where as far as you know, what's supposed to happen, you know, action wise in the panels.
2: Yeah. And uh, however, you know, the the art is really clear, but I think it's also because, you know, because of this use of just these really thick holding lines Mm -hmm. for all the characters and it's almost like
3: cell
0: shading kind of a thing where there's a lot more detail inside the lines, but it's almost like there's this, this big, rich black outline around all the characters.
2: Yeah. And I think in some parts it's almost like he's really trying to pull the characters out of the background, Mm -hmm. you know, just to make it really legible, really clear. And I think that's good. But I also think there are parts where you don't need to go so far, where the holding line for a character is so thick, even though they are in the foreground, we know in the, they're in the foreground, but it's almost just too thick, where you're staring at the line instead of the character. There's a point that it crosses It does draw some, some attention in places. Yeah. So I think, you know, and I, I can tell that, you know, he's, he's got a lot more comics to make and that's really cool because then we get to read them all and this is already hilarious, right? Right. So I think he just needs to go through and make some more pages and get a little comfortable with not, you know, not being too worried about that and just... Making sure that it, the art's a little more cohesive in some of the panels,
0: well, you know, and that's one thing that I think you know does get better as we get deeper into this into yeah, the comic. definitely does, but you know, the, a lot of the time the backgrounds are quite simple. and so mm-hmm. you can see why he would want to have something that would make the characters pop, yeah, and it does kind of at times almost have this sort of paper cutout look because yeah. of that thick boundary line.
2: there are pages where it's fine. And also, I think when you're making it because that's like the whole purpose of that kind of a holding line sure. is to pull stuff out of out of other objects, create clarity, but at the same time, I don't think one should feel like they should completely and evenly outline the entire character with that same weight. You right. can pull back in certain areas. That way it also helps draw emphasis to where you want them to look. You don't want them to look at the entire perimeter of the character.
0: Like we were saying in the last episode, or like I was saying in the last episode about Boston Metaphysical Society and how there was sort of a uniform line weight everywhere. Yeah. He has a lot of different varying line weights here, you know, as far as the different line weight widths, but the one line tends to be one particular yeah. width. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And for me, that's what I find attractive about a rich, deep, thick line weight is that when it is used to go from thick to thin, that can be used to describe the sensation of whatever the material is. You know, it makes flesh look fleshy, clothes look crisp or wrinkly or thick or fuzzy or whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that can be kind of lost when you use a uniform line weight. Although, admittedly, I like thick lines. Like, I'm, I'm like
2: you're that attracted guy attracted yeah. to that
0: i'm that guy you know and so like i like that i don't
2: <laughs> know like i'm not saying that it's true thing. though it's true you're though i'm totally guy. that
0: guy he's he like he likes him hey, thick
2: look at this brush look at this brush and i'm like oh fucking brushes okay john no it's really cool it's really cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i'm sure you get sick of me saying that no
2: actually it's it's fine I- no but
0: i do but but i think that's interesting though is that this time around there are those thick thick sexy lines that i like so much but there's not the variance which i think is is something that i would like to see more of
2: and i think so with this type of work we're not really staring too much at his forms Mm -mm. in a lot of these like the other work like we're you know we focus on them or or the last comic reviewed last week the uh boston metaphysical society yes thank you for saying that really fast too that was impressive bms (laughs) bms bms (laughs) bms bms anyway uh yeah, like in a, in a work like that, for example, you know, you're not too, you're not, you're not looking at the lines necessarily, you're looking at the forms, but in this work, you know, he's making really beautiful lines and mm-hmm. there's a lot of beautiful use of black. And so we need to, t- or he needs to take a little more care in the fact that, you know, that that he needs to, you know, put more emphasis on that and vary his lines.
0: But at the same time, I really like the confident pen touches he uses to describe shadow and texture. There's a lot of art out there that doesn't. Just go in there and be like hash marks and meow, attack, you know, and like is he's willing to put like hash marks right. and actual lines like on faces and other things that a lot of the time is kind of like oh don't put that there because it might mess up the way it looks, you know, it might look like lines on a face, yeah. but he gets away with it, and it, more than gets away with it, he succeeds at describing shadow and texture and 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 all that sort of stuff and value with that, and it's it's cool because he really goes in there and he's aggressive with it, and yeah. I think the most recent page at the time of this of this recording has a pretty complicated background where the characters are, I think, on the phone with each other and Mm -hmm. one of the characters, I want to say it's Becky, is standing like in like maybe like a comic book shop or like a record store or something like that. And there's this beautiful complicated background with all these details on it. It's gorgeous. And there's a lot of those careful fine pen touches that more than just describing the actual form, but he goes in and actually uses the pen touches to to describe the value and stuff. And I I just I think that's awesome and ballsy. I myself find that at times when I wanted to describe a blush on a character, like I like being able to do the quick hash lines, kind of go across the nose from cheek to cheek to describe a blush, but sometimes I have to stop and do it over and over and over a bunch of times to get it to look right and make it not look like Toby the Impaler came along and put a bunch of streak marks on their face, you know? And, and Brad does such a great job with that.
2: Yeah. He's putting a lot of skill points into his inking and it's going to pay off he's later on.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. That's exactly it. The he's he's loaded the skill points into inking. Yeah. The- <laughs> The best use of inking I saw in there was, I guess, what would be like a backlight sort of thing. He had the really heavy shadows on the characters and on a white background. Mm -hmm. So it it had a good contrast. You could see a little bit of the outline of the characters, like the other two impalers when they're getting the spider ready. Right, And then there's one really good one of the inventor when uh, the one surviving impaler brings the broken spider back. And it's just a really interesting looking way to go about it, because usually when you see, you know, a figure cloaked in shadow, you know, the background's all black, they're all black, and there's that tiny sliver of light on them. But having, you know, this bright white background makes it look like the light's projecting from behind them, and that's why you can't see them. And it's very realistic touch. And
0: it was very, very effective. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we talked earlier about the cat. The way that he draws the cat is so great, and it's so simple, not in how well it's drawn. I don't mean to say it's simplistic. I mean, it's it's almost abstract or something because the cat almost always is just like a circle with like some feet sticking out, but it totally fits because cats do that. Cats are just a bunch of fluff and fur and they, they're flexible and weird and they end up just looking like these little fur blobs, you know, and it's just, it's such a great render of that, of just a super lazy cat. And there's a scene that had me totally cracking up where... Keeping in alignment with that cat just being super duper lazy when the Impalers explode through the window with their giant, awful spider machine and the cat just puts his hand over his eyes and he's like, "Ah,
3: I'm sleeping here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And everybody else is like, oh shit, jumping up and being scared and there's knives flying everywhere. And I don't think that cat like does anything but just chill in that whole battle.
2: That split screen where everybody's like, there's panels of everybody else's faces like all tense because battle and shit. So and then all of a sudden right, there's the cats, cats
0: just, like, meh.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, the cat, the cat is so great. I would love to see like a page where you know if they do like the many faces of Vader or something like that. Like I would no. like to see the, the many faces of Marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: cat could probably have its own
0: comic. Yeah, totally. It's mm. so great. One of the things that really stood out to me that I thought was just gorgeous and bold all at once is the big cartoony arrows that he uses to to visually direct you to something. Do you notice that? So
2: O'Malley. So mm. cool,
0: right? I mean yeah, very, very O'Malley, but it's just it's really clean. It's not that there was that he just drew an arrow on top of stuff. Like a lot of the time he uses negative space to create the arrow, which was really Yeah, cool. I like think mm-hmm. the
2: very first page it has something mm-hmm. like that. And, and he uses
0: it I think maybe one or two more times later on. I want to say maybe just one. So it's it's sparing. It's not yeah it's not kind of too much because it is It is sort of a bold thing to do and it really can pull you out of the comic and the situation when there's like for some reason a giant arrow in the middle of things. Yeah. But it really works well. And, you know, it's almost like you don't really need it because his visual direction is good enough that it's clear what the focal point is of what's going on. But he somehow manages to make it feel like there's extra motion or something. Well,
2: also what I think was really cool about it is since it's done pretty much on the first page of the comic, it's sort of like this device that breaks the fourth wall like right away. So as soon as you see that,
0: he's like drawing the line in the sand right out of the gate. Yeah,
2: exactly. So as soon as you see that, you kind of know the tone of the story already without having read the story. That's true. So it's really indicative of that.
0: That's awesome. I think finally I just want to say that, that I really like how it's very clear that this is, still, that this is not all done digitally. That there's definitely that, that sort of natural inconsistency and paper texture quality to the lines that has that beautiful sort of natural charm to it. And it's just very attractive and very warm and inviting artistically. And it's something that people that draw exclusively on the computer are constantly chasing to get that warmth back. And and it's it's so nice to to have. I mean, you know, Marcus does that with his comic as well. He doesn't do doesn't do it on the computer. That's Some of it's on the computer, but yeah. it's so. There's just something lost when you go to the computer, and you have to go out of your way to get it back. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's I just love that look, especially yeah. with the, just the black and white, because you get to, it's so accentuated because it's so clear. There's nothing. There's no. It's not like it's done in black and white. On, by hand and then it's scanned in and then somebody does this complicated color and you, it gets kind of glossed over like you really get to appreciate that warmth and that traditional media. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Oh, just Marcus being like badass at heavy contour. <laughs> yes or, he is yeah heavy brush lines you know inter-
1: you inter- guys are like brush brothers
2: yeah i'd be interested well,
1: i was gonna what? say like that that's sort of a technique that i use with meloman is that i my inking process has gotten to be uh i used a, a zero zero five micron pygna for the interior lines on most things and background lines and then i use a, a zero eight for my characters to, to make them bounce to make them pop more mm-hmm. in the picture and um a lot of people like it i mean i get a lot of comments on it so it's it's very, like, it's dramatic. It's striking. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks really good. It's like
2: tenth of a black belt. And, yeah, anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think if I was going to say anything that I would wish kind of in alignment with talking about using the traditional media and how good that is, there's a couple times where he does sort of like a, a gray or gradient in the background, and it's very clearly done on the computer, and it just doesn't fit.
2: Yeah, it kind of breaks you out. Yeah, it I does. I think if you add even like a little bit of like a, I don't know, like you could add like maybe a paper texture or just make it a flatter color, it might be.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's 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 kind of puzzling because he does so much beautiful pen touches and, and and strokes and everything like that to describe all that. But then sometimes he just uses gray from a computer and it's just kind of like that was a yeah. choice. Well, it's
2: kind of incongruent with the style in general. Yeah. With other styles, you would put a gradient over it and it softens the entire look of the thing. But because this is so this is so high in contrast and so stark, it's sort of just out of place. I yeah, think. it
0: doesn't it doesn't really fit. And it's it's it's, it's pretty sparse. It's very rarely yeah. used. But, you know, I, I, I would like to see less of that and more of the detailed backgrounds, especially, I mean, obviously, it always gets better the deeper you get into a comic. And this most recent page at the time of this recording, that background, yeah. like, seriously, go look at it. It's really awesome.
2: Yeah. But, you know, time constraints, too. I understand that. Oh, yeah. That. No, absolutely. But, you know, again, like we said last episode, just, you know, it's not the viewer's fault. Don't make the viewer pay for it. But, right. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, on the whole, is this is just a really, really great comic. And we just so enjoy having Brad on the site and just thanks man for for sharing your stuff so yeah, I, I
2: laughed a lot actually Oh, <laughs> <laughs> indeed.
0: well you can find brad on twitter at narwhal night and on facebook at facebook.com forward slash the narwhal night and again you can read narwhal night at narwhalnight.pandamanga.com as well as narwhal thanks again for listening to geek life we always love to hear from our listeners please email us at geeklife at panamanga.com with your questions comments and insights
2: Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.panamanga.com and complete the form over there.
1: Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured in this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.panamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit AirPlusRecordings.com. This is Joe, and we'll see you next time. Shut up! (laughs) Then he did. Something up there.